High school, what is going on? I'm so happy to be back with you guys. Hey, so two quick things about that video. Can we give Stal a hand real quick? I mean, number one, I didn't know he was that strong, okay? Number two, I thought that that day, uh, working out, filming those videos for this series was gonna make me like walk away jacked, look like James Ricker, and um, no. So that didn't work out for me. Uh, but as James said, my name is Bryce Holman. I'm the middle school coordinator here at the church, so I'm usually hanging with our middle school students. But I am so blessed and excited to be here with you guys. So I need everybody to do something for me. Stand up right where you are. I need you to take out your phones, if you have it with you, which I know you do. And go to your camera or Instagram or something like that, and I need you to take a selfie with 10 people right now. 10 people in this room. I don't care who it is, it has to be 10. If it's not 10, please don't go back to your seat. <clears throat> 10 selfies. Now you don't have to post it to Instagram, but I'm gonna highly encourage that you do that. I think it'd be dope. Ten selfies. Garrison, that is a picture of yourself. That is all. It counts, I guess. Kyle, just take ten. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> what? All right, once you've taken ten selfies, please make your way back to your seated area. Thank you. Perfect. This was a good selfie right here. I like that. That was nice. Well, as I said, my name is Bryce Holdman, and I'm so excited to be with you tonight. A lot of people around here call me Spicy Brycey. Um, yeah, so that's awesome. I do not call myself that very often, only once or twice a day, so it's good. Uh, well, we're in this series, as you can see on the screen behind me, called Stronger. And so far in this series, in week one, Stow came and he talked about how God can redeem what's gone wrong in our lives, and if you're anything like me, you've probably experienced certain things going wrong in your daily routines. But then last week, my man James Ricker, my goodness, he brought the word, and he came and shared some of his own story, and he even told us that God can be trusted. Even in the midst of tragedy, God can be trusted. He worked in his story, as we saw last week, and he can also work in our story, like we're hopefully gonna find out together tonight. You see, what the devil wants you to believe, before I go any further, what the devil wants you to believe tonight is that when life goes wrong, whether we cause it or we don't cause it, there is no way out, there's no second chance, and no one will want to be around us. That's what I believe the devil wants you to hear right now before God starts speaking. Is he, he wants you to believe those lies that when life goes wrong, it's over, it's done, there's no way back. But what I believe is the truth that God gives us each other in times like that, and tonight I hope and I pray that we will see that together very clearly. So before I dive any deeper into this message, I came up with a list, and on this list is a little bit of research that I did on what people hate, all right? So if you hate this, feel free to boo it or get excited about it, whatever. Here's number one, spiders. Anybody hate spiders? <clears throat> I don't play those games, uh-uh, nope. All right. Um, number two is slow walkers. If you have been to Columbiana Mall, you know what I'm talking about. Number one, people walking on this wrong side of the, well, it's not a street. It's like a, I don't even know what you call that, a walking area. People are walking on the wrong side of the walking area. And not only that, they're walking so slow. I'm trying to pass them, but I feel bad. I'm like, I want to do this in a Christ-like way. I don't just want to diss you and move you to the side. I'm like, hey, Jesus loves you. Get out of my way. I have places to be. All right, here's number three. Stepping in dog poop. Yikes. Does anybody have a dog in here? 
Wow, that's a lot. I'm James's dog. That's awesome. D-A-W-G. Yeah, so I don't have a dog, so I don't know what that feels like. Um, I see dog poop in my yard all the time, but I, I try my best to avoid it. All right, here's the next one. Slow Wi-Fi. Yikes. I hope Mount Horb doesn't have slow Wi-Fi. Does it? Okay. I, okay, when I was at Lexington High School, Lexington High School had some slow Wi-Fi. It didn't let you go on any websites to begin with, but then when you finally got to GameStop.com, it was so slow. I don't know why I was on GameStop. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, here's the next one. Getting sick. I hate getting sick. I mean, that's, that's just a given. Is there anybody in here? You like getting sick? Oh, my goodness. Lauren likes getting sick. Okay. All right. Here's the next one. Bullying. I, my goodness. That does not fly with spicy. Okay. All right. Here's the next one. I got two more for you. They're both bad. All right. First one is bad hair days. I was having a bad hair day earlier, and I've already got a receding hairline, so it's not getting any better for me. That's why I'm wearing a hat. Thank you. All right. All right. Let me stop making fun of myself. All right. Here's the last one. Bad weather. Bad weather. You see Hurricane Dorian coming, you know school's canceled, so you might actually kind of like bad weather. I'm not too terribly mad at bad weather, so that's not bad. Now, you may not have agreed with every annoying thing that we just listed, but if we're honest, sometimes it's kind of fun to hate things, right? Like when someone calls out something they hate, it's so quick to be like, yes, I hate that too, that's terrible. Maybe in less of a grunty voice. Um, but it's so easy to do that and just pile on and on and on and on. But although it's pretty harmless to gang up on the things we just mentioned that are just things that happen, something that I've noticed in my life and maybe you can relate to is often, even when I don't recognize it, when I'm not catching it, I'm so quick to gang up on someone's flaws or someone's downfalls, or I'm so quick to join into gossip happening, and I'm so quick to really hate and talk like I hate someone around me, either before me or um, behind their back. Now, don't get me wrong, because, because sometimes the truth is, sometimes people do need to be called out in public, especially when they're guilty of harming others in some kind of way. But in those cases, it's, it's like we're, we're trying to hold them accountable for something. We're trying to hold them to a higher standard that we know they can achieve. But the joy so many of us get from ganging up on other people, especially when they've already fallen or they've already been knocked down, might show us something important about ourselves. You see, what I believe is that God has designed us to thrive in relationships with each other. I believe that's what the Bible teaches. But instead of coming together in healthy relationships, often what we do is we come together in judgment or hatred of others. I've definitely been there myself. And that is not at all what God intended. And I wonder what it would look like for us to start being people who would gather around others in more of a Christ-like way. I have an example of this from my own life before we go any further. Last year, I was, uh, so, so I go to CIU. I'll give you a little background. CIU is a university in the area. It's a Bible college. It's a pretty small school. But last year, I was on a team um, called Residence Life. And basically, there, there were two, actually, Josh Wills and I were on the same hall. It was awesome. That dude's incredible. Um, so we were the two Res Life people on our hall, and basically what that meant was we were the spiritual leaders. We would kind of fix anything that got messed up on the hall. We, we would put in work orders for, for things to get fixed and whatnot. But we would also lead hall meetings, stepped on my Bible, and, um, and we, we would be the spiritual leaders on the hall. All right. So I'm on this team, and this was the first semester. So about a year ago from today, I was on the Res Life team, and I get this phone call from Stal, 
and he says that he and Trevor want to meet with me about something. So at the time, I was doing an internship here at the church um, with young adults, which is what Anthony and Davino does now. And so Stout called me and said, hey, Bryce, I need you to come meet with me and Trevor. We have a question for you. Um, and so I met with them, and they offered me the position as middle school coordinator here. Now, initially, I was super overjoyed. I was excited. I was like, man, I feel called to ministry. This is step number one for me. I'm so excited. Yes, all right? So I initially, verbally, I was like, yes, I really want to take this. But then they stopped me in my tracks, and they were kind of like, all right, th- th- this is great for us to hear. Like, we want you to take this position, but it would mean that you would have to step away from your current res life thing you got going on at CIU. So that kind of made me think twice about this. Now, obviously, because I'm on this stage right now and because I'm the middle school coordinator, like we talked about, I did take the position, and I've never looked back, and I've loved every single moment of it. But in the moment, I was, uh, was kind of indecisive. But the reason I was indecisive was because when I finally made the decision to step away from the Res Life team and beforehand, throughout that whole process, I had so many negative voices around me. I had one of my best friends tell me that if I made this choice to come work here at the church and step away from the Res Life team, that it was unbiblical. That's the word she used, unbiblical. And at a Bible college, you don't hear that a lot, unless you're just preaching heresy. And that was not my intention at all, obviously. So, so those kind of comments really floored me, and they, they got my attention in a, in a bad kind of way. And the negative voices made it hard for me to really walk through the door that God wanted me to walk through, which I eventually did. And out of all people to give me advice, Josh Wills was the one dude who gave me the best advice I got. And it's too long for me to tell you what he said, but I remember so clearly he and I got breakfast one day at CIU, and man, what he told me, just word for word, I felt like God was speaking directly to my heart more clearly than he had in a long, long, long time, and I knew what choice I needed to make, and so I made it. But I was back and forth on this decision. Here's the key. I was back and forth on this decision because of the negative voices around me. I was so caught up in being a people pleaser. Maybe some people in here can relate to that. I am 100% a people pleaser. I hate disappointing people. I was so caught up in pleasing everyone, not just some people, not just the people at Mount Horeb, not just the people at CIU on the Res Life team with me. I was so caught up in pleasing everyone. And this was the first time that I figured out, Bryce, you can't please everyone. If you make a decision to stay here, do this Res Life thing, some people at Mount Horeb, they might not be pleased. If you make a decision to step away from this and go take this church job, some people at CIU, they probably won't be pleased. And I saw that so clearly. And maybe there's someone in here in a similar spot. Maybe you have some negative opinions, negative voices all around you right now, and you're searching for some positive ones. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight that God has given us each other. God has given us each other to build one another up, not tear one another down. Build one another up, don't tear one another down. You see, for the last two weeks, we've been talking about what we can do when we face losses, when we face challenges, when we fail. We talked about how Jesus can redeem what's gone wrong and how when life does not make sense, God can be trusted. And these two ideas are huge in our walk with Christ. We have to know God for who he is because he so deeply cares for us. And he wants to heal our hurt and he wants to heal our pain. But today, what I don't want to do is talk about our hurt and pain. We've done that for the last two weeks. What I want to talk about is how we respond when someone else is hurting, when someone else is in pain, when someone else is struggling, when someone else needs someone to talk to. How are we going to respond? Are we going to sit on the sidelines and wait for somebody else to go do it? Or are we going to get up off the bench and actually go get in the game and start serving as God calls us to? So I have another story for you. And uh, this this one is a little different than the first story because about... Two years ago from, well, November 15th in 2017, two years ago almost, um, I was hurting pretty bad. I really was. 
it was a, it was a Wednesday morning, and I, I remember getting out of class, one, one of my classes that day on CIU's campus, and I, I was walking back to my room, and I got this phone call. Everything was normal at this point. Got this phone call from my mom, and her, her voice on the other end was super distraught. It wasn't like, hey, how's your day going? It was just immediately, have you heard about Nate? That's all she asked me. She said, have you heard about Nate? Now, immediately, he was the only person named Nate in my life that I knew, okay, like was close to, so I knew who she was talking about. And who she was talking about was a former teammate of mine since I was eight years old, playing soccer all throughout eight years old, all the way till I was a junior in high school when he was a senior. That was the last year we played together. And Nate was a guy that I was super good friends with in high school, and obviously super good friends with because of our soccer careers lining up. And uh, so she asked me, hey, have, have you heard about Nate? Now at this time, Nate was in College of Charleston, in Charleston area. And I had, I had actually just seen him at this point. Um, he came up on like fall break or something, and he was here at Mount Horeb. So I was overjoyed to see him here. But nonetheless, my, my mom is so distraught on the other side of this phone. Bryce, have you heard about Nate? And I said, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Please explain. So she went on to explain that uh, she had gotten like five or six phone calls um, that Nate had killed himself the night before. He's committed suicide just like that. Didn't even go into detail. Just said like, he's gone. That's it. And... Um, that absolutely floored me, and that's something I'm probably never going to forget because up until that point, I'd never had to deal with anything like that. Even my close family members, I never lost a close family member to any reason, anything. And this was the first time that I actually just got floored. Now, at this point in my life, my, I, I do feel like my walk with Christ was in a healthy spot. But this news right here did not make any sense to me. And I have a feeling that there's somebody in here that could probably relate to that. And I had absolutely no idea how to react. And after crying for a bit, I decided to turn to God in prayer. It took me a while, but eventually I did a few hours later. And I prayed specifically for God to comfort Nate's family, knowing that if I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, I cannot imagine what they're feeling, the ones closest to him more than anybody else on this planet. And I was also praying that, that God would allow others who were close to him to feel the peace that uh, I had hoped that God would give me as well. <clears throat> but soon after... I got my soccer stuff together to play in our regional semifinal game that day. So we had a big game coming up that night. And um, I, I, I was so focused on that up until that point. So when I got this news, my, my focus shifted a little bit. And it was no longer on the soccer game I had to play later. It was, it was no longer on the, the classes I had that day. It was no longer hanging out with my friends on campus. It was this. This was the only thing consuming my thoughts and even my prayers. And I was not myself constantly consumed with the question, why, God? Why? Not even just why now, why on earth would this happen? I was so confused because you see this hurt went deeper for me. As I said a second ago, the last memory I ever have of Nate was here at Mount Horeb. And it was uh, a few months before this whole thing happened and he was coming out of the contemporary service in the other building as I was going in. And I saw him and that was the first time I had ever seen him in a church setting. And so around junior, senior year of high school, that began the process for God calling me really into ministry, really challenging me to get serious about my walk with Christ. And through that process, Nate was someone who was in my prayers. Nate was someone who I was saying, God, I don't know where he is with you, but I pray that you would do something supernatural in his life. Let me and others on our team or others around him that know you be walking, talking testimonies of what you can do with someone who is broken and how you can make them whole. So he was in my prayers, and I see him at Mount Horeb, and I'm like, man, I am so happy you're here. I started asking him about the service, like, what did you think of the worship? What did you think of the message? I'm so happy you're here. I was so overjoyed. But then somebody, I totally forgot who it was, somebody pulled me away to go do something before the, the 1045 service started. I was like, all right, all right, I'll be right there. And I remember so distinctly when Nate was talking to me, I had to cut the conversation short. And I, the, these words haunt me. They haunt me. They haunted me for so long. 
And I remember so clearly saying to Nate, we should catch up soon. Or we will catch up soon. And as I've been talking about, soon soon never came for me and him. And uh, immediately when I heard this news, what was going through my head was I missed it. I missed the opportunity that God gave me to not only talk about a church experience he had, but I, I really felt like I missed the opportunity for me to share Jesus with this dude. He had just been in a worship service where Jesus was shared, but it was from a from, from the stage, but now he had a one-on-one chance with someone who, who was highly involved in this church, was in a good place with God, and I missed it. And so th- those words have haunted me for a long, long time that I took that mo- those moments for granted with him. And little did I know that that would be the last time I saw him. Now, during the pregame rituals, I shared with my teammates that night what had happened, and they, they prayed for me before we went out on the field, which was super cool. And I remember praying to God, it was, it was, I felt kind of stupid at the time. But I was like, God, I know I play defense. I know I have zero collegiate goals. I played for Newberry for one semester and CIU for like two years at this point, no goals. But I was like, God, if, if there's any way, shape, or form that you could allow me to score on this field tonight, I would be so overjoyed. And it would remind me that you haven't left just because I don't see you in this whole situation. So I prayed that, felt kind of stupid for praying it. The game comes along. We, we ended up beating them 16-0. If you know anything about soccer, nobody beats anybody 16-0 unless they are absolute trash. So, so we, we beat them 16-0, and it was 9-0 uh, right before halftime. And I was, I was only in for like 10 minutes because we were, I mean, we were beating them like crazy. So during the 10 minutes I was in, right before halftime, uh, someone on our team ran towards our goal that we were trying to score on, went down the box, got a PK. And I was the only person on the team that had never missed a PK in practice. And so this whole situation was working out exactly how I didn't, I really doubted that God was going to make this happen. But I was like, oh my goodness, I'm about to go score a goal. This is awesome. And I remember so clearly walking up to that spot, kicking the ball, going in the net, and me going crazy inside my head. But looking around and my teammates are overjoyed because they know how much it means to me. It's not just another goal. It, it, It is a reminder for me and seeing them react towards me was a reminder for me. Just because I can't see you, God, does not mean you are not here. Just because I have questions for you, it does not mean that you don't still care about me. And I was feeling so overjoyed, so comforted, because I saw God through each and every one of those individuals on my team like I had never seen before and I had never seen since. So clearly. And maybe you can relate with that story in some way, shape, or form. And the key here is that God did not leave when I didn't know where he was. I have no idea where you guys are right now in your walk with Christ. I don't know if some of you guys know who he is and have for seven years. And maybe some of you guys are hearing the name of Jesus for like the first or second time tonight. Maybe someone in here has walked away wanting nothing to do with God because you took that person away from me. I don't don't want anything to do with you, God. And I'm here to tell you that that's exactly what was going through my head when all this happened. God, I thought you were taking me down a great path But now this, why would you do something to affect someone like me who was in a good spot with you in this kind of way? Now, why now, why? And I saw so clearly that God was showing me, Bryce, I am not, just because you can't see me, just because you can't feel me in a certain moment, just a, a glimpse of a moment does not mean I have not left. I am still here, I still love you, and I'm gonna use what the enemy is trying to use for evil for good. And that is exactly what he has done ever since this happened. It didn't make sense, but God had me covered, and I'm here to tell you tonight that regardless of where you are, where you've been, or where you're going, God 
had you covered, has you covered, and will have you covered in the future, tonight and always. And there's two passages of scripture that, that I really think relate to this that I want us to look at, just briefly. The first one's Romans 5. If you have your Bibles or Bible apps with me, join me in turning there. Romans 5. Now, if you know anything about Romans, it was written by a guy named Paul. And Paul was, uh, he was an incredible dude. And he knew how to preach. He knew how to get people's attention. And this is what Paul says starting in verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. There's one key verse here, verse three. Four words. Rejoice in our suffering. Rejoice in suffering. When I read this, and I've read this thousands of times probably, when I read this passage every time, I'm just like, okay, God, so you're telling me that you want me to rejoice, you want me to be happy when I'm suffering, when you take someone away from me that I cared about, when someone gets sick that I didn't see coming. You want me to rejoice in that? I have a lot of questions surrounding that. Maybe you do as well. But Paul says here that, that he wants us to rejoice in our suffering and our pain. And even though it seems a little weird that nobody throws a party when they fail a test, for anything like me at least. I don't go throw a party when I fail a test. I don't go throw a party when, when I mess up in some kind of way, big or small. Paul is not necessarily saying, hey, I need you to go throw a party when these bad things happen. That's not what he's saying. But Paul is saying you have a legitimate reason. We have a legitimate reason to find joy in our pain. We rejoice because loss and failure produce perseverance. It produces perseverance. The whole situation with Nate I just told you about. In certain areas of my life, that whole situation has been used for good. And one of those areas is it has produced perseverance for me. It's even produced perseverance for others when God is trying to use me to counsel someone through a very similar situation in their life. That even though it was hard in the moment, I didn't know how to rejoice in the moment. Eventually, I got to the point to say, God, I am recognizing that what you desire of me right here, right now, is to find joy because I know who I serve and I know you haven't left, even though it may feel like it that you have. That's what Paul wants to get our heads wrapped around. You see, Paul's words were not just to an individual. He was writing to an entire community, to an entire church. Paul assumed that this letter would be read by an entire church body together, a group of people just like us here tonight, committed to God and to each other. And if we want to understand what Paul is saying, we have to understand the context that he's writing in. So with that in mind, a few pages later, it shouldn't be surprising that Paul talks in greater detail about how we can take care of each other. And it's not necessarily a change of subject, it's rather a continuation. So in chapter 12, can turn there if you want, just a few verses in chapter 12. He talks about a very, very similar concept and even goes into a little more detail. Here's what he says, starting in verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. 
early on here, Paul says to be devoted to one another in love. Now, we've talked about two different uh, key phrases for us as a student ministry so far. James talked about how we're better together, and I came a few weeks ago and talked about how you belong here. Even if it doesn't feel like you belong anywhere else, you belong here. Both of these aspects, both of these phrases have to do with this community. Because it is very easy, let me tell you from experience, it's very easy for the devil to distract you from God when you're by yourself, especially when you don't think even God is with you anymore. It is very, very easy when you've only got those voices coming into your head, those voices coming into your heart. But what Paul is trying to get our attention onto is the reason you can rejoice in your suffering is because of the hope that is in you, but the only way that you're really gonna understand what that feels like is if you surround yourself with people who can show it to you. Surrounding yourself with people that God is trying to use to show it to you. When you're hurting, when you're in pain, maybe that person at school, when they're hurting, when they're in pain, when they're struggling, when they need someone to talk to, are we gonna be someone who just watches it from afar and lets them stay in that season, or are we gonna get up off the bench and go play in the game and actually do something about it? If you're anything like me, you have experienced too much of a comfortable life in that kind of way. Where you'd be sitting in the cafeteria and you'll see something sitting by themselves, looking like they're in pain, looking like they're hurting a little bit. And because of your reputation at school, you can't jeopardize that. And so you just stay right where you are. You, I, I've seen myself do this on multiple occasions. I've stayed where I am and I've actually prayed, God, I pray you'd surround them with people that will care for them. And I feel like on those occasions, God's like, okay, great, I'll do that, but what if I'm trying to use you? What if I'm trying to use you and your friend group? What if I'm trying to use you to go talk to that person you've never talked to before, but that you and I both know need you to talk to them? Because of the hope that is in you, they can rejoice in suffering. The key here is love. He starts off by saying that love must be sincere. He could pause right there, and that could be it. Because that, that phrase encapsulates so much. That one word, love, it encapsulates so much. Love is the key here. The only way the true community is gonna take place in this room, but also in all your rooms in schools, on your sports teams, in your families, in your other friend groups, the only way true community is gonna happen, the way God designed it to happen, is if love is present. Not just the love the world tells us to have, but the love that God is commanding that we have. God is asking us to have. God is showing us how to have through the person of Jesus Christ. That kind of love. The love that's sincere. You see, Paul knew something that we desperately need to remember, and that's when life goes wrong, God gives us each other. When something hurtful is done to us, God gives us each other. When we suffer tragedy or loss, like my story with Nate, God gives us each other. When we make mistakes, big or small, God gives us each other. Now, I said tonight that I don't want to talk about our pain. Instead, I want to talk about the pain of others and how we're going to respond to it, what we're going to do about it. When someone in our lives is hurting, grieving, experiencing loss, maybe a failure, how are we going to respond to that? Are we going to pile on judgment, anger, hatred, go with the flow, or are we going to gather around them in love even if it's not the popular decision amongst the ones around us? And even if we decide to gather around them in love, what does that look like practically? How do we know when someone is hurting and what should we do about it? I've got a video clip for us that I think shows this very clearly and then we'll come back together and discuss a little bit. Take a look at the screen. It's a very, very well done movie. Um, but that, that one scene, it, in, in preparation for this, I was praying, God, what, what movie clip, if there is one, could I show that, that really, really relates to, to what we're talking about tonight? And uh, 
when, when I watched this a few times, I'm, I'm trying to think through what's going through the king's head, right? So this is his last race, as we heard it said. And he's probably prepared. I mean, he's prepared all his life, obviously. He's got so many accolades, he can't even count them. And, like, he's, he, he's in this race with two other race cars. And he's probably favored to win at this point just because of his history. And then this happens. He didn't see it coming. He didn't ask for it, but it happens nonetheless. And he spirals out of control. And now he's just all by himself, nowhere near the finish line. And so Lightning McQueen, he gets so close to the finish line. And I also can't imagine what's going through his head because he gets right here at the finish line. He just stops. And it's almost like he's looking ahead saying, if I go two more inches, everything the world tells me I need to have, I'll have it. I'll have the fame. I'll have the status. I'll have the good reputation. Everything. I'll be able to celebrate with all the people that are going to love me because I won this race. But he stops here for some reason. It's because of the voices that he's choosing to listen to. Way back in Radiator Springs, he's probably thinking back, man, those cars, they loved each other sincerely. They served each other. They were there for one another. They helped, picked up, they, they helped each other to pick up what, what was failures in their lives and put it back together. And he stops right here and he's just like, I, I don't need any of that. Because what, what, what was modeled for him was that kind of stuff. Love is sincere. How to be in a community with people the way God desires. And we have a model for us. His name's Jesus. And in Jesus' life, if you were to think back, you, you can open up this book anytime and read about it. Please do. I would love to talk to you about it. In Jesus' life, the, one of the last things that he does before he leaves the earth is he gets down on two knees and he starts washing his disciples' feet. And if I'm in that room, one of the disciples is just in that room spectating. I'm like, Jesus, these, this should be reversed. You told us three different times that you're going to go die for us. That's bad enough. I don't know why you would do such a thing like that. But why are you washing my feet right now? I'm the sinful one. And Jesus is like, yes, yes, yes. But if there's one picture that I can leave you with about what I want your community to look like, it's this. It's serving when it doesn't make sense. It's serving the ones around us, helping the ones around us, healing the ones around us, allowing God to use us to help heal the ones around us, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when the people around us are like, dude, you're crazy. Why would you do that? Why would you go sit with them? Why would you go talk to them? But what God is modeling for us is the same thing modeled in this video, that regardless of what the world is telling you, if you just get to this status right here and cross this finish line, then you'll be happy. It's all temporary. And what I believe God wants us to hear and actually begin to realize tonight is that the temporary stuff is not gonna fulfill us. The reputation that I had in high school, it ended when I graduated. The reputation you guys have right now in your schools, it's gonna end whenever you walk across that stage. And God's gonna put you somewhere new, regardless of where that place is. And so we have two choices. We can either stand at the finish line and cross it and go celebrate with the world, or we can listen to the voices God wants us to listen to that are not of the world, that are the healthy community members in our, in our inner circles that are actually placed there by God for a purpose. And even beyond that, we can be those people that were placed there to help someone else. God, I, I'm, I'm hurting myself. I need healing myself, but I believe that you will put someone in my life so that I can experience that. And in the meantime, I'm gonna go be that person for someone else. That's what I believe real community looks like. That's why we're better together. That's why we belong here together. And that's why that when life gives wrong, goes wrong, God gives us each other. 
We're going to go into that song we just sang a few minutes ago again, Another in the Fire. And I love that song so much. And if there's one way we can end this night together, that's how I want to end it. Knowing that when we're hurting, when we're struggling, when we're stuck in that sin we're trying to shake ourselves free from but can't get out of, or when we see someone else experiencing that, there's someone else in the fire and his name's Jesus. And maybe tonight for somebody in here, that person in the fire with you, he's been there all along. And maybe tonight's the first time you recognize it. You say, Jesus, I know you're here. I know you are standing next to me because you care. You care about me way more than I could ever care about you and I could ever show you that I care about you, but you're here nonetheless. And number one, I recognize that you're here in the fire with me, but I want to be used by you to go stand in that fire with someone else, just like you've done for me, Jesus. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we pray before going into this final song. And I just want you to think about for like 30 seconds, is there somebody in my life that I know is hurting, that I know is in pain, that I know needs healing, and the only place it can come from is from God? But what if you're trying to use me, God? What if it's not supposed to happen yesterday, tomorrow? What if it's supposed to happen today through a text message, through a phone call? What if it's supposed to happen tomorrow at school through a face-to-face interaction? Whatever the case, who is that person in my life that I know needs you and needs healing from you? And how can I be used? Father, we're so grateful that you're here with us. You were here way before we ever walked in. God, we are so thankful that you choose, you're not forced to, but you choose to stand in the fires with us that we face in this world. I pray that as as we sing this last song, you would put on our hearts those people in our lives that need healing from you, that are hurting, that are in pain, that are struggling right now. And you would show us feasibly how we can be used by you to bring that about in their lives. God, thank you that you love us even amidst all the times we've turned away from you. There will never come a time that you will turn your back on us. I pray that you remind us of that tonight as we sing this last song. Lord, we love you. We give you all the honor, praise, and glory that you're worthy of. In Jesus' name, amen.